Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Law School of America. A life insurance trust is an irrevocable, non-amendable trust which is both the owner and beneficiary of one or more life insurance policies. Upon the death of the insured, the trustee invests the insurance proceeds and administers the trust for one or more beneficiaries. If the trust owns insurance on the life of a married person, the non-insured spouse and children are often beneficiaries of the insurance trust. If the trust owns second-to-die or survivorship insurance which only pays when both spouses are deceased, only the children would be beneficiaries of the insurance trust. In the United States, proper ownership of life insurance is important if the insurance proceeds are to escape federal estate taxation. If the policy is owned by the insured, the proceeds will be subject to estate tax. This assumes that the aggregate value of the estate plus the life insurance is large enough to be subject to estate taxes. To avoid estate taxation, some insured name a child, spouse or other beneficiary as the owner of the policy. There are drawbacks to having insurance proceeds paid outright to a child, spouse, or other beneficiary. Doing so may be inconsistent with the insured's wishes or the best interests of the beneficiary, who might be a minor or lacking in financial sophistication and unable to invest the proceeds wisely. The insurance proceeds will be included in the beneficiary's taxable estate at his or her subsequent death. If the proceeds are used to pay the insured's estate taxes, it would at first appear that the proceeds could not be on hand to be taxed at the beneficiary's subsequent death. However, using insurance proceeds to pay the insured's estate taxes effectively increases the beneficiary's estate since the beneficiary will not have to sell inherited assets to pay such taxes. The solution to both drawbacks is usually an irrevocable life insurance trust. If possible, the trustee of the insurance trust should be the original applicant and owner of the insurance. If the insurer transfers an existing policy to the insurance trust, the transfer will be recognized by the Internal Revenue Service only if the insured survives the date of the transfer by not less than three years. If the insured dies within this three-year period, the transfer will be ignored and the proceeds will be included in the insured's taxable estate. Insurance trusts may be funded or unfunded. A funded life insurance trust owns both one or more insurance contracts and income-producing assets. The income from the assets is used to pay some or all of the premiums. Funded insurance trusts are not commonly used for two reasons. The additional gift tax cost of transferring income-producing assets to the trust, and the grantor trust rules of IRC Section 677A, 3, cause the grantor to be taxed on the trust's income. Unfunded insurance trusts own one or more insurance policies and are funded by annual gifts from the grantor. Customarily, the trustee of the insurance trust is authorized, but not required, to either purchase assets from the insured's estate or lend insurance proceeds to his or her estate. Since the trustee of the insurance trust possesses all incidents of ownership in the insurance policy, the insurance trust provides the insured's estate with liquidity while shielding the insurance proceeds or assets purchased with the proceeds from estate tax when the insured dies, provided the trust has the appropriate settler and trustee. Usually, people set up insurance trust for the few reasons as seen below. I. Control the distributions. 2. Pay off liabilities. 3. Take care of themselves. 4. Ensure the minor will be able to receive the money. 
v. to name substitute beneficiaries. v. to benefit non-trust nominees. A testamentary trust, sometimes referred to as a will trust or trust under will, is a trust which arises upon the death of the testator, and which is specified in his or her will. A will may contain more than one testamentary trust, and may address all or any portion of the estate. Testamentary trusts are distinguished from intervivals trusts, which are created during the settler's lifetime. There are four parties involved in a testamentary trust. The person who specifies that the trust be created, usually is a part of his or her will, but it may be set up in abeyance during the person's lifetime. This person may be called the grantor or truster, but is usually referred to as the settler. The trustee, whose duty is to carry out the terms of the will. He or she may be named in the will, or may be appointed by the probate court that handles the will. The beneficiaries, who will receive the benefits of the trust. Although not a party to the trust itself, the probate court is a necessary component of the trust's activity. It oversees the trustee's handling of the trust. A testamentary trust is a legal arrangement created as specified in a person's will, and is occasioned by the death of that person. It is created to address any estate accumulated during that person's lifetime or generated as a result of a post-mortem lawsuit, such as a settlement in a survival claim, or the proceeds from a life insurance policy held on the settler. A trust can be created to oversee such assets. A trustee is appointed to direct the trust until a set time when the trust expires, such as when minor beneficiaries reach a specified age or accomplish a deed such as completing a set educational goal or achieving a specified matrimonial status. For a testamentary trust, as the settler is deceased, he or she will generally not have any influence over the trustee's exercise of discretion, although in some jurisdictions it is common for the testator to leave a letter of wishes for the trustee. In practical terms, testamentary trusts tend to be driven more by the needs of the beneficiaries, particularly infant beneficiaries, than by tax considerations, which are the usual considerations in inter vivos trusts. If a testamentary trust fails, the property usually will be held on resulting trusts for the testator's residuary estate. Some famous English trust law cases were on behalf of the residuary legatees under a will seeking to have testamentary trusts declared void so as to inherit the trust property. An infamous example is Rita Plock, which resulted in the suicide of one of the trustees who was personally liable to account for trust funds that had been dispersed for what he thought were perfectly valid charitable trusts. Advantages of a Testamentary Trust A testamentary trust provides a way for assets devolving to minor children to be protected until the children are capable of fending for themselves. A testamentary trust has low upfront costs, usually only the cost of preparing the will in such a way as to address the trust, and the fees involved in dealing with the judicial system during probate. Disadvantages of a testamentary trust The trustee is required to meet with the probate court regularly, at least annually in many jurisdictions, and prove that the trust is being handled in a responsible manner and in strict accordance with provisions of the will which created the trust. This may involve considerable legal fees, especially if the trust endures for several years or involves a sophisticated financial or investment structure, and always involves the fees imposed by the judicial system. Such fees and expenses are deducted from the principal of the estate. The trustee must be prepared to oversee the trust for its duration, which involves a considerable commitment in time, possible emotional attachment, and legal liability. A candidate for trustee may be named in the will but that person has no legal obligation to accept the appointment. If no trustee is named in the will, or is unavailable, even if named, the probate court will appoint a trustee. It can be difficult for beneficiaries to bring a dishonest trustee to account. They may sue at law, 
or the malfeasance may be pointed out at the annual probate court review, but such remedies are slow, time-consuming and expensive, and are not guaranteed to succeed. Summary Due to the potential problems, lawyers often advise that a revocable living trust or inter vivos trust be created instead of a testamentary trust. However, a testamentary trust may be a better solution if the expected estate is small compared to potential life insurance settlement amounts. Now a word from our sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Law School of America. A spendthrift trust is a trust that is created for the benefit of a person, often unable to control his slasher spending, that gives an independent trustee full authority to make decisions as to how the trust funds may be spent for the benefit of the beneficiary. Creditors of the beneficiary generally cannot reach the funds in the trust, and the funds are not actually under the control of the beneficiary. The creator of a trust is often called the truster, grantor, or settler of the trust. A trust generally will not be treated as a spendthrift trust unless the trust agreement contains language showing that the creator intended the trust to qualify as spendthrift. This is what is known as a spendthrift clause or spendthrift provision. A spendthrift provision creates an irrevocable trust preventing creditors from attaching the interest of the beneficiary in the trust before that interest, cash or property, is actually distributed to him or her. Most well-drafted irrevocable trusts contain spendthrift provisions even though the beneficiaries are not known to be spendthrifts. This is because such a provision protects the trust and the beneficiary in the event a beneficiary is sued and a judgment creditor attempts to attach the beneficiary's interest in the trust. The protection of the spendthrift trust extends solely to the property that is in the trust. Once the property has been distributed to the beneficiary that property can be reached by a creditor except to the extent the distributed property is used to support the beneficiary. If a trust calls for a distribution to the beneficiary, but the beneficiary refuses such distribution and elects to retain property in the trust, the spendthrift protection of the trust ceases with respect to that distribution and the beneficiary's creditors can now reach trust assets. Necessaries, Child Support and Alimony Some creditors may compel payment out of the trust, particularly those who supply the beneficiary with necessaries usually food and shelter, but sometimes clothing and transportation, if these are not extravagant. Most jurisdictions also permit the invasion of spendthrift trust assets to satisfy awards of child support and alimony. Trusts where the beneficiary is also the creator. A trust created by an individual for his or her own benefit is sometimes called a self-settled trust, and may be a kind of asset protection trust. If the creator of a self-settled trust is also a beneficiary of the trust, particular problems arise regarding the protection of assets from creditors, and the prevention of fraud, that is, the possibility that the creator of the trust seeks to defraud creditors. The general rule, self-settled trusts do not protect the trust creator. To prevent individuals from creating trusts to defeat their own creditors, the laws of most states provide that a spendthrift clause in a trust document does not protect the beneficiary to the extent that the beneficiary is also the person who created the trust. The settler does not need to be either the sole settler or the only beneficiary of the trust. As long as the settler is a beneficiary of the trust to any extent, to that extent the trust will be deemed self-settled. For example, Texas law provides. D. 
If the settler is also a beneficiary of the trust, a provision restraining the voluntary or involuntary transfer of his beneficial interest does not prevent his creditors from satisfying claims from his interest in the trust estate. Further, laws in some states, like Texas, are worded so broadly that anyone transferring property to the trust might be deemed to be a creator, i.e., settler, grantor, or truster, not merely the person or persons who originally set up the trust. The exception, DAPT states. However, several states have changed their laws to provide that a person may create a self-settled spendthrift trust, i.e., a spendthrift trust for his or her own benefit. Such trusts are also called domestic asset protection trusts, DAPT, and sometimes informally called Alaska trusts, as Alaska was a pioneer in allowing this kind of spendthrift trust. However, because of the danger of the misuse of Alaska trusts to defraud creditors, the legality of such trusts, to the extent that they purport to protect the trust's share of a beneficiary who is also a creator of the trust, is uncertain in the states not allowing self-settled spendthrift trusts. Nevada has enacted a series of statutes, codified at Chapter 166 of the Nevada Revised Statutes, that specifically enable the creation of self-settled spendthrift trusts. This form of trust is commonly referred to as a Nevada Asset Protection Trust. Under Chapter 166, an individual can serve as the settler, trustee, and beneficiary of the trust. This network of laws is specifically designed to protect trust assets from the claims of any creditor. NRS 166.170 specifically limits the circumstances under which a creditor may bring a claim. If a creditor existed at the time of the property's transfer to the trust, then the creditor must bring its claim against the trust within two years after the transfer or within six months after the creditor reasonably should have known of the transfer, whichever is later. NRS 166.1701. If the creditor's claim surfaces after the transfer is made, the creditor must bring its claim within two years after the transfer, regardless of notice. NRS 166.1701. Moreover, the creditor can only sustain its claim if it can prove by clear and convincing evidence, a tough evidentiary standard, that the transfer was made as a fraudulent conveyance. NRS 166.1703. The extent to which sister states will recognize the asset protections of these DAPs, like those created under the laws of Nevada and Alaska, is unclear due to a somewhat sparse body of relevant case law. While states are generally compelled to honor and recognize the laws of sister states, pursuant to the full faith and credit clause of the United States Constitution, some of these laws may be in direct conflict with the laws of other states. Some of these DAPT laws can be quite expansive. The scope of the Nevada law is drawn quite broadly to govern Nevada's enforcement of all trusts created within or outside the state so long as they meet certain limited criteria. CNRS 166.0151. The law goes on to require that the statutes be applied to the enforcement by any other state of any spendthrift trust created within Nevada, so long as the law is not in direct conflict with the other adjudicating state. NRS 166.0153. In fact, the Nevada law does not even require that the trust assets be located within Nevada so long as one of the trustees declares his slash her domicile as Nevada. NRS 166.0151d. The following other states now have a DAPT statute, Delaware, Mississippi, as of July 31, 2014, see Ms. Code 919701-SEC, South Dakota, Wyoming, Tennessee, Utah, Oklahoma, Colorado, Missouri, Rhode Island, and New Hampshire. In the United States, 
Because estates and trusts are largely governed by state law in the United States, individual states each may have their own statutory or common law treatments of spendthrift clauses and trusts. For example, the Nevada Property Code provides. There is no personal or corporate income tax imposed by the state of Nevada. An irrevocable spendthrift trust, if properly formed in the state of Nevada, is currently not subject to income taxes of other states, as long as the Nevada Spendthrift Trust is qualified to do business in the other states. A Nevada Spendthrift Trust is only subject to federal income tax. The settler has the right to change or add other beneficiaries at any time without notification to any beneficiary past or present, the state of Nevada, or the federal government. All rights and privileges of a spendthrift trust formed in the state of Nevada are clearly set out in a concise set of statutes in Nevada and are not dependent on court decisions or interpretations for the validity of the trust. There are no registration fees, annual reporting fees, or any other recurring fees charged by the state of Nevada or any local government for the continued validity of the trust. The trusts are also not required to retain a resident agent in the state of Nevada. In Texas, the Texas Property Code provides a. A settler may provide in the terms of the trust that the interest of a beneficiary in the income or in the principal or in both may not be voluntarily or involuntarily transferred before payment or delivery of the interest to the beneficiary by the trustee. A clause in the terms of a trust agreement that complies with the above-quoted statute is an example of what the law calls an anti-alienation provision. To continue with the example of the Texas law, the Texas Property Code further provides. b. A declaration in a trust instrument that the interest of a beneficiary shall be held subject to a spendthrift trust is sufficient to restrain voluntary or involuntary alienation of the interest by a beneficiary to the maximum extent permitted by this subtitle. c. A trust containing terms authorized under subsection a or b of this section may be referred to as a spendthrift trust. The above quoted language essentially means that a trust instrument does not, at least, in Texas, have to contain complex legal jargon to qualify the trust as spendthrift, simply using the word spendthrift in the trust document may be sufficient. The Law School of America The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America